Hello and welcome to our Africa Travel Week Connect Unlock Africa podcast, where we bring the news, views, tips and tricks from tourism experts and personalities, sometimes simply sharing a window on their world and Africa's tourism sector. Thank you so much uh, for joining uh, me, Maylene and Eric. Um, it's, it's really a pleasure to have you here and Eric, especially you, Shem, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, so we won't keep you too long. Um, but it's a very interesting trend that we see coming to the foreign culinary tourism trend. And I know that you are particularly interested in it and you have uh, made it your life mission basically to grow it uh, so we're very honored to have you here and Maylene obviously as well to position South Africa as a culinary destination it's such an exciting time to start doing that now so I can't wait to hear from you um, Eric can you give us a little bit of background on what you have been doing on the culinary tourism uh, sphere and why you're so attracted to Africa specifically sure absolutely it's a pleasure to be here and thanks for having me um, my background is as, as a chef by training, but with a, an MBA in finance. And I've spent most of the last decade working on food-based culinary tourism strategies. So I've, I've and, and really coming from an entrepreneurial background. So I, I've built and run the largest food tourism company in Canada, which was called Edible Canada, which included restaurants, retail, uh, retail stores, a culinary tourism travel company um, that was focused on high-end culinary vacations as well as food manufacturing and others but i've had been in the fortunate position to be able to write national food strategies for canada uh, new zealand and, uh, and and other sort of regional sub markets in in many other countries around the world as well as literally consult for operations from all the way from the uh, the arctic all the way down to antarctica so i uh, had a very good opportunity to travel the world and it, people quite often will ask what it exactly it is that I do that at the end of the day I say I, I eat I drink and I travel so it's uh, <laughs> probably the best job on the planet yeah sounds like a dream job um, it's pretty uh, good Africa have you have you looked at Africa at all in terms of culinary tourism I have and we're really just starting to look at which was held in Flanders Belgium um, was was the focal point of the conversation and i think the thing that really stood out for me was you have this conference filled with some of the best food minds on the planet all talking about food tourism and one of the questions that was posed to us was can anybody in this room name 10 traditional African dishes um, that would be featured as part of culinary tourism? And there was a, a substantial prize for anybody who could uh, name these 10, dish, 10 dishes. And nobody could even come close to naming 10 traditional African dishes, foods, etc. And I, I think it just it stood out as this completely untapped global market that i mean that that's an entire continent that nobody could really articulate in terms of food tourism and i think it just struck me that there's this incredible opportunity i remember traveling through africa 
America in the uh, early 2000s and being blown away by the food scene and specifically in South Africa um, with the Friendship Valley and, and Cape Town. But even the foods that we ate in Namibia and Botswana and, and Zimbabwe um, always sort of had uh, some really interesting cultural roots to them. But yet nobody was back then, nobody was really talking about them. And, uh, and even still today, um, they weren't having any prevalence. And so, yeah, it just kind of struck me as that there's there's this massive opportunity um, that nobody's really taking advantage of yet. No, definitely. And Maylene, I'm going to pull you in here. Can you name 10 African dishes, you think? I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Melin, have you also recognized this as like an exciting, um, an exciting trend and an exciting sphere to to broaden uh, Africa in? Have you are you using culinary tourism at all to position South Africa? Um, good morning, and thank you for having me as well. I'm Melin Broderick from the National Department of Tourism, um, and. Um, you know, just leveraging of what the Eric has said, um, I participated in the UNWTO Gastronomy Conference and I was heartbroken, <laughs> in, you know, when, when the SG asked that question and, and nobody could answer. But at the time, why I actually participated in the the, the, the virtually uh, conference uh, was that we noted as a country, you know, that um, there's a growing interest um, in what is going on on the food side in South Africa. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, for example, we saw a lot of people sort of pivoting uh, to doing alternate things as tourism was shut down. And a lot of people gravitated towards food and started food businesses, you know. And so for us, you know, because the UN, we are a UN WTO member state, um, we were really intrigued uh, by what we were hearing at, at the conference. And we then decided uh, as a country to develop a culinary tourism framework, uh, because as you noted, and I think Eric noted, uh, particularly the Western Cape has a very developed uh, food culture, but it's centered around wine, uh, wine tourism mainly and foods associated with that, but very little African cuisine in terms of the African cuisine in the country. And there's a diversity. As you know, we have nine official languages. And within uh, those various cultures, there's different types of food. Within the Western Cape, for example, uh, there's Cape Malay, there's Afrikaans cuisine. Um, but, you know, people are, can have probably the best sushi in Cape Town and even a plethora of burgers, but don't really know what South African cuisine is. So we felt uh, this was an opportunity for us to explore the development of this niche as an alternate experience for our domestic and, uh, uh, you know, inbound guests, uh, visitors. And so we've started in earnest with the process to develop a framework to be able to guide provinces to develop their own culinary tourism strategies. It is so interesting. Are there any challenges in that? Because like you said, is it because South Africans don't feel that they dare to put their, their food forward as something interesting and that they rather take other cuisines? Or is that a challenge? What other challenges are you seeing in developing this and really positioning it? I think it's a combination of, of things. Um, you know, if you go on a township tour, you will have traditional food in, in the township, you know, uh, but it's sort of niche there. 
and it's not necessarily offered in a five-star restaurant. And we have a lot of those. I mean, we even have our own uh, Michelin star chefs, you know. Um, but um, so definitely, you know, sort of believing in our food, that it is, uh, you know, um, globally acceptable, uh, you know, uh, so to speak, the quality and caliber. Just before the pandemic, um, we host Africa's Travel and Daba, as you may know, um, and we have a dinner on an annual basis for the Women in Tourism Program, which I'm also responsible for. And we took a, a, a chef from KZN and challenged her to develop a five-course uh, high-end meal including palate cleansers, using indigenous ingredients and indigenous dishes. It was phenomenal. So we then felt that, you know, if people normally associate our food with our oh, going to the kasi and meat and pop, et cetera, but we can also bring it in terms of a five-star experience. So that we felt that it's necessary to um, put our heritage and culture on the map through the food offerings that we have. And that means, you know, we've got a, our farming and agriculture across the country. We have year-round produce because we have such a diversity um, of seasons, of soils, of climates in South Africa uh, that you can, you know, have mangoes and lychees in Limpopo um, and, you know, apples and grapes in, in, in the Western Cape. Um, so we felt that it's something that we can develop um, a niche in and, and grow from a uh, sort of farm-to-table experience. We have a number of craft beer places that have, have, have emerged also during the pandemic. Obviously, our wine is very well known and uh, increasingly a coffee culture as well. Uh, you know, with coffee being grown in the low felt as well, it's uh, not just imported, but grown. Um, and wine, you know, the Northern Cape is expanding. There's even wine now in KZN. So I think because South Africa is so diverse and we have such a multitude of fresh fruit and meat and produce that we felt we need to be able to uh, support our, uh, our cultures and assist them in, in developing their own um, you know, products and strategies uh, to get it to a globally acceptable standard because we don't want people to come and have a bad experience and get food poisoning or whatever, you know. <laughs> we need to get to a... So we have a global offering and we'd be very proud to be able to put our, you know, South African-inspired dishes, both by culture and produce, uh, on the map across all nine provinces, not just as it's you know, now known in the Western Cape. Yeah. So interesting. And Eric, that's exactly what you're doing as well. Huh? You're helping destinations basically leverage that culinary tourism. So what are the obstacles and the challenges you would warn people to look out for? And how can they best then um, embrace those opportunities? What, are there any steps you can advise or any anything you can, can share with us? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think we're working with about 15 different countries at the moment, and it, there's a lot of similarities that uh, and the challenges that are uh, sort of across the board in terms of what destinations are, are challenged with. And honestly, it really starts first with the local population and having pride 
for what it is that they're doing, um, especially in some of these emerging markets. Uh, we've seen this uh, in Fiji. Um, we're, we're having some conversations in Qatar right now. I know uh, Chef Binta in, in Ghana is having some of these conversations of how do you build pride in what was traditionally just food seen as as um, as peasant food or as that, that humble food of the people and why would why would a tourist want that uh, and I think that is uh, overcoming that is a big part of uh, what we've been looking at some of the one of the biggest challenges we see in in many destinations um, and as Maylene was saying with, I mean with with COVID and the, and the global pandemic, there was such a, a change in terms of tourism structure that we, we saw this domestic market for tourism flourish and actually start embracing a lot of these outlying areas. And food became a huge part of our days and, and people started cooking again and thinking about where their food was coming from and really getting out to these areas, which, so I think it kind of started spearheading some of those conversations and, and as, as happened with, uh, with South Africa, it kind of brought to the forefront, this need to, to start really looking at culinary tourism as, uh, as an, accentuator to travel as an accentuator to tourism as and as an opportunity for continuing to grow that so i think those leadership challenges are are also going to be a, a big part of this in terms of uh, Maylene and uh, and her team have taken this leadership role um, to do this framework piece for South Africa and to look at all of the different uh, provincial areas that uh, could also come into that but I think we, we see a huge lack of, of leadership in many, many markets. Um, and so that's something we're working with. Lack of cooperation is also one of the other big challenges uh, where everyone kind of watches uh, their own piece of that pie, but uh, doesn't really want to bring it together. So we spend a lot of time facilitating uh, that cooperation within markets. Um, funding at the end of the day is always a big challenge. So getting government buy-in and understanding of why culinary tourism is important, how it can be an accentuator to other um, tourism drivers, um, be it adventure, be it sun, sand, sea, um, uh, be it corporate. The reality is people always ask, what is a food tourist? And, and I would argue that everybody's a food tourist. Everybody has to eat three meals a day. So you don't need to develop a strategy that is just for that Michelin-starred high-end traveler. Uh, I think you need to look at all levels of dining within an environment and, and figuring out how to best tell that story. Um, so really, when you're starting to break this all down, the big the challenges start at leadership, move through cooperation and funding. And then looking at, at the end of the day, it comes down to product development uh, and building uh, a really strong foundation, as, as Maylene was also talking about. Um, if you don't have the product, um, what is it that you're going to sell and what is it that people are going to remember? So uh, governments and tourism destination marketing organizations always find it easy to spend money on marketing. Um, but really, marketing is the last step that needs to come in all of this behind that leadership, behind forming that cooperative nature and behind product development to, uh, to really grow this culinary tourism sector. We've heard from Meline how South Africa is really building this. Like, I, I think it, it's a great country to, to build this and it's definitely setting the tone. Any other countries in Africa that you feel are 
really getting there. Like really, that's that's the country to watch um, for 2022 or maybe 2023 even in terms of culinary tourism. Do you have any insights in that? I mean, for us, we're, we're having conversations right now with Ghana and Gambia. So those two are definitely um, already starting to look at this and, and looking down the road. Um, Mozambique's also another country that's uh, making some uh, some noise in and around culinary tourism. But honestly, I think there's there's very few um, that are that are starting that have sort of started this process. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to be coming out to Africa Travel Week to actually broach this topic and, and start getting people excited about it because I I think there's just such immense um, interest globally in Africa, um, and you've seen. You've seen that with uh, Jessica B. Harris's uh, book, and then the uh, the Netflix show High on the Hog that came out, starting to talk about um, African American cuisine and and sort of this uh, understanding of food and how it evolved from Africa. And so there's this this global spotlight coming out through channels like Netflix, and uh, and it's just going to continue to uh, to exacerbate and uh, and and grow this interest in African cuisine. So yeah, and if you actually, if you look at as all the trends that are are now very prevalent, it's like we have we're looking at authenticity, we're looking at sustainability as well a lot. It's a COP twenty six is not that far behind, and every all the eyes are on that as well. Uh, and it's also that wellness, the wellness. Everybody seems to have like so culinary tourism seems to really fit perfectly into that whole little niche. Is it something that you would? You would advise promoting as a package, Eric, and then Maylene, is that something that South Africa is already doing maybe after Eric? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it used to be that everyone was looking and you always used to go to a destination and you get the T-shirt that says, I was here. And that was kind of your experience. And then travel moved into more of an experiential style of mindset in that you wanted to go someplace and, and do something. And I remember um, traveling through uh, Africa the first time I was there and going skydiving in Namibia and sandboarding and going through the Makoros uh, in in the Del- Okavango Delta and going to Victoria Falls and doing lots of crazy things. And, and, and now really travels moved into more of this um, transformative nature i want to go somewhere and i want to be changed i want to i want to learn i think that's where the culture comes in um that's where the people come in uh and i think that's really where culinary is going to shine and where the biggest opportunities are and and you're right with health and wellness and all of these things it all stems from the people and it all stems from really sharing those people stories and i think uh, i i'm curious to hear what maylene has to say about what where they're going with uh, with south africa but i think at the end of the day that that's the big differentiator between any destination uh, and anywhere else in the world is the people who actually make up that destination and their individual stories mm-hmm. and Merlin, south africa has the most amazing people they're always smiling they're always friendly it's something that sets us apart i feel if if we listen to what other people love about south africa it's the people um so is that something that that you recognize what what are you doing in terms of promotion of that whole whole sector are you clunking it all a little bit together into one big value proposition or how how does that go 
Um, I'd like to just pick up a bit on the, you know, the issue around Africa and Africa collaboration. I think, uh, you know, we've got a lot of support now from the UNWTO to collaborate more. And we are engaging, you know, like Chef Binta and Chef Malonga in, in Rwanda and Ghana respectively to, to um, say, how do we actually work together? Um, because we want to have more, you know, Africans traveling within Africa. Uh, you saw how the world shut us down really quickly after we announced the, 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 the you know, the variants. Uh, so we want to work and cooperate uh, more and, and allow Africans to experience Africa. You know, so we are working uh, a little bit more collaboratively and I hope that will be enhanced going forward. So from a South African perspective, for us, the issue around sustainability is, is very, very key. Um, and when we talk sustainability, it's in terms of climate and, you know, the farm to table and not having to travel long distances and growing food organically. I think that that's so important for us. And then just, you know, the whole uh, issue around um, sort of valuing and respecting opportunities for growth and new experiences in terms of promoting a community development. So, you know, they grow their own produce and then you can actually be in a community and have that authentic experience. Just prior to the pandemic, South African tourism, our marketing arm, went on a roadshow globally. And people said that they were, they found South Africa's uh, offering one, stale, big five, and two, it was pitched at the luxury market. So we need to diversify our experiences. And culinary tourism presents a perfect opportunity for us to expose people to various parts of South African life, various cultures, and, and in so doing, you know, promote our own cultural heritage and uh, uh, social inclusion, because we still have a legacy of apartheid in South Africa. And you won't find, for example, you know, white people going into a township to eat. Tourists will go, but white South Africans might not venture there. So we see food as something that will bring us together the way sport has, and we want to leverage off that. Um, a focus on women and youth empowerment and SME development, um, because these businesses can be food trucks, can be tuk tuks, can be, you know, village restaurants and actually keep whole villages going. The focus on, uh, you know, um, veganism is growing significantly, particularly in the Western Cape, as people are more conscious about what they eat and when they eat it, even though meat is a significant part of African culture. It is predominantly eaten during feasts and funerals, etc. And vegetables form a huge part of, of um, you know, traditional diets. Um, but does the world know that? So we want to, to make sure that South Africans understand their own uh, culinary food um, uh, experiences, what the offerings are, um, and, uh, you know, as well as regionally and, of course, uh, internationally. So for us, um, you know, this presents an, an amazing opportunity to coalesce our society, social inclusion in South Africa, as well as, uh, you know, allow us to focus on community development, poverty alleviation, and working specifically with women and youth who are, you know, the predominant uh, participants in our tourism sector uh, and uh, growing this uh, particular niche.
Can you also see, Melin, that it's then uh, getting into more of that experiential, like Eric was saying, the transformational tourism? So are there, uh, do you see more and more of these offerings where people can maybe help with cooking, have a cooking workshop, um, maybe even go out and bring the farm to table to where tourists are really involved in the whole process? Or is it still more a community building that you say and that the tourist is the end consumer of the products? I think it will be ultimately a bit of both, you know, um, because we will need to assist communities in, in, in curating those experiences because they do it on a daily basis, but we need to help them to package it, right? Um, so, so we need to work on, on that uh, part of it for, from our side. And then also just uh, our offerings, you know, like uh, we, I said earlier, everyone sees South Africa as this high-end destination only for the well-healed. Whereas, in fact, it's not the case. We have a plethora of offerings and we want to add, you know, food, uh, wine, beer, traditional food, culture, heritage to that offering, you know. Um, and we feel that, you know, we've got sort of communities, for example, right outside the Kruger. They surround the Kruger, but they're not participating in, in the wealth creation within the Kruger. This is an opportunity for you. If you're in the Kruger, come out. Have an experience in a township taste and, and even participate in the cooking of, of what the village right outside the Kruger is doing. And then you get a full South African experience, not just the big five, but you're immersed in the culture and see how the cooking is done, who cooks, how food is eaten, because food is eaten by different cultures in different ways. You know, there's communal eating, there's individual eating. So we think there's an, an opportunity to teach people about our culture and heritage too through through food. This is so interesting. And then quickly touching on that collaboration that both of you were talking about. Um, Meline, you mentioned collaboration with other countries in Africa, and then it's mainly for, like you say, when the world is shutting us out, that at least we can travel to each other. But it, would it also be an opportunity to have like a whole culinary, culinary tour through Africa that you combine different countries and different experiences? Is that something South Africa is considering to team up and, and have some sort of an agreement that there is like a whole possibility of touring Africa? I think it would be, you know, um, foolhardy of us not to want to head in that direction. We are far from that at the moment. You know, we still have visa issues, visa restrictions within African countries. So, you know, um, we would like to get a culinary passport, you know, so you sort of experience South Africa through this culinary passport. Or you can do the same for SADC or, you know, the East African region or the West African region or Africa in general, you know, coast, uh, Cape to Cairo. You know, so there are, I think, a plethora of opportunities and uh, possibilities, um, but we need to still curate those, think it through, obviously consult, because I know globally Africa is talked about as Africa, but, you know, we are a number of countries with various, you know, borders and Etc. Not necessarily borders that we have defined by us, but they're there, and we need to take that into consideration. So it is definitely an, a goal, um, and that's why you know I've been in contact with uh, you know Chef Binta and Chef Mamanga. They want to do the Culinary Institute in Rwanda. We have a chef program in South Africa where we work with the South African Chefs Association in developing young chefs. Um, and we've now started a food incubator where we've taken sort of the cream of those graduates 
and we are assisting um, 110 of them at the moment to start their own small businesses. And we're helping them over a period of two years and hopefully, you know, focus on indigenous and, and South African food. Um, so, you know, they're busy with very similar things in Ghana, in Rwanda, but we're not collaborating. So how do we you know, put African cuisine on the map and say, if we have the Culinary Tourism Institute in Rwanda, that would be where all Africans send the cream of Africa to be trained there, as opposed to every country developing their own institute, therefore making better use of very scarce resources, as you know, we are often played with uh, in, in, in Africa. So yeah, collaboration is the absolute key, both in country and, and uh, regionally in the diaspora. Such exciting opportunities that seem to be on the horizon. Uh, Eric, what is for you the most exciting thing you're looking forward to or that you would like to achieve with culinary tourism in, in Africa in maybe this year, 2022, but maybe also 2023, 2024? What, what is your vision? I think for now in 2022, really, it's just starting the conversation and getting everybody to realize the importance. And I, and I love what Maylene's saying about how, I mean, to me, using food is this, this, instrument that uh, builds communities and bridges cultures. It's one of the few things that no matter where you go in the world or any country you go to in Africa, food is central to culture, to people, to place. And I think having that conversation in 2022 is, is going to be key. It's going to get people talking. And then as we move forward, really it's it's breaking down those barriers between different african countries working together with chef binta chef malanga other governments uh, other tourism destination marketing organizations and at the end of the day it's got to be adopted by the private sector to make it sustainable as you were talking about earlier um, there's obviously all of the environmental pieces of sustainability but culinary tourism and and this growth sector of it also needs to be economically sustainable and while it's i mean it's amazing um what maylene and her, her group are doing in south africa to support incubating new businesses and, and sharing the story it's the private sector at the end of the day that's got to get behind this and create business models that are self-funding and self-sustaining um, and that's where the opportunities really lie with um, building uh, new jobs new economies uh, really building up different pro that product development piece whether it be ingredients whether it be culinary villages whether it be more hotels more restaurants which in the end of the day creates more jobs for people and builds this whole economic model of sustainability. So uh, to me, that's that's really where uh, food has a huge advantage over other tourism pieces um, in that it can it can really build a lot of these economies and, and scale up fairly quickly. So I hope that over the coming years that we, we see this going through throughout all of Africa, um, that a lot of those borders, and I know uh, from just talking to um, Kojo at the UNWTO and and others, one of the challenges that Africa has is even just inter intercountry travel uh, in Africa. There's there's not a lot necessarily flights or easy ways to sort of hop around the continent. You a lot of the like the countries, I'm, and I'm being told for uh, for airlines is you you have to fly from Africa back up to Europe and then back down to Africa uh, to a different country. Um, so 
really makes it challenging to create those uh, those navigable routes uh, throughout the country. So I think there, there's going to be lots of things that are going to need to change as this opens up. But I think food can be that uh, that vector to uh, to change a lot of these things. Yeah, and definitely an exciting opportunity. Well, I would like to thank both of you so much for your time and maybe just ask you for any parting uh, ideas, any parting comments. Maybe let's start with you. Do you anything that you really would like to achieve um, or any anything that you can still foresee for culinary tourism that you would like to conclude on? Um, from our perspective, we are extremely excited, um, you know, with the likes of Eric and uh, others reaching out to us because that global experience will be of value to us. Um, we're ex excited uh, by what is to come. And all I can say is watch this space. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely will be watching. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> Eric, from your side? From what from my end, really, the thing that I'm most excited about uh, getting back to Africa and really helping spearhead this this initiative is working with the people, um, be it uh, Chef Malanga, Chef Binta, Maylin, uh, others within the country. I I, I just want to discover the people and their stories and and help share that with the world, so that in the future, when somebody asks what our 10 dishes from Africa that it's just front of mind and everybody's having that conversation. And you can find these dishes and these stories and these people on mainstream media around the world because they're stories that need to be told. They're, they're cultures that need to be shared. And uh, I think we're just, uh, Africa's at, at the absolute peak of starting the story right now. And uh, there's just a significant opportunity um, to grow this. Oh, fantastic. That is it's such a great thing to hear. And so I'm definitely looking forward um, to catching up with you at WTM Africa as well. And Melina, are you at WTM Africa this year? I'm sorry, I missed that. Are you at WTM Africa this year? I can't wait to connect with both Absolutely. of you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, both of you, for your time. I really appreciated this talk. I thought it was really interesting.